Hey friends, I only have about a week left for you to use your HelloFresh code to get 60% off your first order and free shipping. So before you get to this episode of the podcast, go and sign up and try it out at HelloFresh.com. Even if it's just trying it once, you're not going to regret it. It's great food, learn to cook, and even if you're experienced, you can still learn new stuff. Trust me, it's worth your time. Use the code P-O-G-H-F-102-212 at checkout to get in on this awesome deal. Again, P-O-G-H-F-102-212 to get in on this amazing deal and help support us here at Epic Realms. Now, on to the show with Michelle Franklin. For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. Friends and enemies, heroes and villains, welcome to Epic Realms. Today's guest is a best-selling author and writer. Her books cover multiple genres, from humor to romance to kids' books to tie-in fiction. Her new book, Dragons Don't Celebrate Passover, is now available. Please welcome Michelle Franklin to Epic Realms. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good here for 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 those for those who are actually in the in the live in the stream. room. Little, yeah, little, there. Little, I'm, uh, for those for those who can't see, I'm holding a little the closer, book. Dragons. Pull a little closer. Pull it a little closer to you. There you go. <laughs> there, there. Dragons don't celebrate Passover. Illustrated by my good friend uh, Jonathan Borello, who does his own comics, Barb and Haunted Safari, Blinky and Sal. Uh, and this is the second in in that particular series. Is the uh, is the the Orc who saved Christmas not necessarily part of that series, or? Well, so here's the thing. We so we did we. Uh, I had joked on Twitter saying, you know what there isn't more of? There's there isn't werewolf Hanukkah books. I'm gonna be the one to write it, aren't I? Damn it, I am okay. <laughs> and so it was a big joke and we had a great time. And we wrote we wrote it in about a week and John illustrated it and we put it up and people people really thought it was a gas and had a good time. Um and then I put a poll up saying, What what do you guys want? Do you want the orc who saved Christmas next? What what do you want? So instead of I do have Orcs Don't Celebrate Christmas, which is gonna be coming next year. Um, and it's already written. It's already done. Just okay. waiting to be illustrated. But so I did the Orca Saved Christmas for everybody on Patreon because it's a storybook. These books are are picture books. Okay. And the Orca Saved Christmas is it's illustrated, but it's a full it's a full storybook. It's about forty pages, uh, acceptable for all ages. But that one is about how. But we have now we have this whole joke going how orcs don't celebrate Christmas and Valentine's. They celebrate a, a fertility holiday called Hargobargle, which. Invo- which involves <laughs> Hargle Bargle involves mosh pits smashing together uh and uh and flexing uh in order to to attract the, the their desired sex. I'm I'm here for it. We gotta put that yeah. in some in some RPGs. <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody's welcome to it. But we, we just uh, I just be you know generic orcs. 
that's it who right. are and Brent who are funny it. somebody somebody yeah. in our life yeah oh yeah that's the... <laughs> <laughs> i normally don't yeah, respond that... to the chat but you know i think it was like yeah i'm gonna read it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the bread weapon. So uh, the new the the new one I'm doing that I'm putting up on Patreon is orcs. Orcs don't celebrate Easter, and or the other I should say the the orc who saved Easter, and that one is all about how orcs don't celebrate Easter. What they do is instead they celebrate a <laughs> holiday called Dreyarf, and that involves them hunting down a giant rabbit that uh, vomits lava and eggs, and in order in order to stop it from destroying their forest they they have to put like an x slash in it that's why they like hot cross buns because <laughs> it looks like you've chopped it in half no. oh my gosh that's hilarious this this is the crap we come up with it's it's fun but i put i always put uh i always put um snippets of everything that i'm writing every day at the end of the day i always put a little bit of what what i'm writing and what i'm doing next and so this way if people want to look at it on my website or they want to go to the patreon and read it they can this way, that's why everybody knows about the the, the bread weapons because this is or, orcs when they make. You know how in Sir Terry Pratchett's books, dwarf bread is dwarf bread, but this orc bread is bread that's just made that's burnt, and they okay. they their ability to like it or not has to do with uh, how how burnt it is and how well you can throw it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay, okay. I, I don't and, uh, even, I don't even, I'm like, I'm like, what do, how do I, how do I respond to that? Other than just there's laughing. Nothing that's nothing to say. Hilarious. There's uh, all, all the orcs as well. They all sound like, all orcs in my head sound like Bob Hoskins. So they're all written in, <laughs> they're all written in like Cockney dialect. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I like me a good Cockney dialect. You, uh, you, you do some videos about languages and words yeah. and emphases on certain words and things like that does that partake into your writing do you like does somebody read say something to you out of one of your books and say something you're like it's not pronounced like that or are you more of the i i don't, I, I I don't, don't make bones about i don't make bones about pronunciations unless so for example i started doing when uh elden ring came out i got really pissed when people were not saying the irish and welsh names correctly because those are different languages, right? Mm -hmm. I always, the, the argument I hate so much is when people go, oh, why, why aren't things spelled phonetically? No, no, they are spelled phonetically in their own languages. Don't try to say, you know, if you say Sorsha instead of Searsha, George Lucas, it's Searsha means freedom in Irish. That's how you say it. That is how it's spelled. And it's spelled phonetically in Irish. Don't just read the name wrong and then get mad when people pronounce it correctly so, so for example in Elden Ring you have Blythe right and I I never want to hear ever somebody say Blade ever again it's, it's specifically a Welsh name here is the Welsh pronunciation this is how you say it don't say oh well that doesn't make sense no it does make sense English doesn't make sense and that's why I have I have the whole series on my TikTok of English gone wrong and let's talk about how how bad English is for spelling pronunciation rhyming schemes etc that, that's the stuff I love to talk about when, you know, people say to me, oh, that doesn't make sense. Really? Spell the word people. Go on. Yeah. I'll wait. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that reminds me, there's a there's an old stand up comedy routine with a, a actor who's passed away called Gallagher. And he does a whole my yeah, favorite yeah. skit of his is talking about words. And then it's like bomb. And then he's like spells it. And then he spells tomb. And he's like, it's not, you know, and he just keeps going down the line. And it's one of my favorite, favorite skits of that is is how that works. There's a lot of uh, there was a lot of addition. So, for example, it's called hypercorrection when um, you have something, let's say, like tomb and coom that rhyme. 
But then you'll have something like bomb where you think that it would have a B at the end because there's an there's an M at the end. And so they hyper corrected and accidentally put a B at the end when it shouldn't be there, which is why it it sounds different. Yeah, I don't these are informations that I don't know. I don't learn. I'm like I don't I don't know the 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 history. Yeah, and I think the, that's the, fascinating. The, so as as somebody who is, like I said, contractually obligated to keep, I thought, how can I do something and make it interesting, but also not boring and and let somebody learn from it? And so every day I put up like a seven a 17 second clip of Here's here's the problem with English today. And so, for example, this morning it was dicks. We're going to talk about the word dick <laughs> and, and how it came from Richard in the Middle Ages and how there was a, a fashion to uh, shorten the name and change the first letter uh, based on where you were in society, et cetera. Uh, and then and then how did it get to be used as penis? And, that, and that's, yeah. that's that's how that went on from there. So I'll do things like that just to get people listening and. It's always when it's enjoyable, they don't realize that they're learning. Yeah. So. Well, and you learn a lot of stuff yourself. Like you're, I don't want to say that it looks like from some of the things on your website and whatnot, that you're kind of a researchaholic. You like, you <laughs> like looking at things. This show talks about all like, you'll just take a class just to learn stuff. Uh, it's kind, yeah, of, I love kind that. of what it says. I I, I get I get a kick out of that stuff. I mean, I had to, for me, I've always, I've always been interested in obviously many things and I've taken um, uh, I've taken many different courses depending on the books and things that I'm writing. But uh, for, for example, when I was doing uh, stuff for Fate of the Norns, my book happened specifically in 937. Now, Ed and, and Andrew are not necessarily that concerned about the history because it's a fanciful universe, but I am. Right. So in 937, uh, what was happening? Who, who is who is who were the Viking kingdoms? Who was speaking Irish? Who is who were speaking Nor uh, uh, Old Norse, et cetera? And so uh, I had, so for example, when I, uh, but I, I like, I liked, I like the historical accuracy because I'm that person yeah. who is going to come up and go, well, actually, it's not like that. <laughs> You're the right? well, actually person. I, I am. Oh, I'm the no. well, actually person. I, I am that bitch. I'm sorry. But when, but I, I won't say it to someone. I will just think it myself and go, mm, if I could just fix that, that would be great. So for example, we were talking about hot cross buns. Uh, the orc stories happen in kind of like a, a, a alternate history Saxon sort of Germanic region. And I actually sent an email to, I keep seeing everywhere, like the origin, oh, the origin of hot cross buns is Saxon. I'm going, it is absolutely not. They were made up in the Middle Ages to the point that I sent an email to the, the wonderful, the great Bay, uh, Professor Ronald Hutton saying, Professor Hutton, I know you've researched this, and I know you're the only one who can answer this question. Can you please give me the last written so-and-so of where Hot Cross Buns is? And he, he just wrote to me, he's like, there's nowhere. It's just bead. We have one line in bead about Easter. There's nothing about Hot Cross Buns. Thank you very much. And then I took that email and I plastered it <laughs> going, there are none. Don't tell me there are. Yeah, so I'm I'm that person. But when I had to do, uh, I had to do like research for, for Mendel, uh, you know, just start taking like archaeology courses again and things like that. And I, I love that. I love, uh, but I've always been, I've always been a learner. I've always loved language. I did linguistics and and writing in university. And I and then I did a certificate in arch like uh, specific archaeology. Don't ask me anything about Romans. I, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so you have to do a but book so about Romans and then. Listen, listen. <laughs> I already have. I already have so many books that I have just not finished and. 
when you when you started like listing all the books I've done immediately my my brain went back to I have so many things I have to finish I have not finished this is this is not <laughs> Um, yeah. So, I, but everything that I do research, I hope, I, I hope that it it shows, and I hope that uh, it make it makes things more interesting. Because I am a person who likes details. I like being very meticulous. I can't stand reading something and then not knowing. Well, what what kind of bird is that? What what kind of door is that? Where is that from? Right. I don't know. You could call me obsessive, I guess. <laughs> well, something that you read or learn kind of spawn a whole new idea for writing a story like you'll be like oh i really want it. now i've that i've learned this i really want to write something about it or on the flip side is there something where you're working on something and then you'll have to get distracted because you're like what what kind of bird is this would be in this genre now i have to oh, spend all time, the time researching all the time i did i i took like a week and uh i we were talking about star talk a little bit before and um, there's this whole, like right now there's just like this whole, oh, the crisis in cosmology. There's no crisis in cosmology. It's just that this is the, the headline that a lot of, uh, uh, outlets like to use, right? Going, oh, is the big bang theory wrong? You're going, no, it's not wrong. It's just that it might not be the beginning. That's the interesting bit is that it might not be the beginning. And you talk about things, you know, like string theory and the big rip and all this kind of stuff. And so I got, I, I love that. And then, uh, in the middle of that, I thought, oh, it'd be really great if I wrote a story, a sci-fi story about these two characters and one's a cosmologist and, the, and 30,000 words later, here we are. So that that's also like on the back burner of something I have not finished yet. But yes, I do that. I do that all the time, all the time. Is that... It really to my, de my detriment because I only have so many hours in a day. Yeah, for sure. Is it easy for you? Because obviously we're talking, you get these different things and you have so many different genres that you have written about, as we had mentioned earlier. Is it easy for you to switch gears from one to the other? Or is it like, I have to finish this one thing before I can switch gears to this other thing? It really depends because I always write about four or five books at once. Uh, I would say with the children's books that I, I try to just get them finished before anything else. Because th those are easy for me. Those I can do in a week. And then it's just a matter of getting it edited and really fine-tuned. And then having somebody else illustrate it and then just putting it out there. That's not a problem. Um, I actually find it's harder to write kids books because you have to focus on them, because you have to be very careful with your language and make sure, you know, if, if it's a certain age group, how how that language is going to burgeon and, and uh, give them words that they can get from context. Uh, so this way they can learn something as they're reading. Learning. Remember that what we did when we were kids. Nope. Amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. So I, 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 I'm very careful with that kind of stuff. Uh, but, uh, when it comes to, uh, uh, and obviously, uh, the, the historical fiction like Mindel and all that, that I'm more meticulous about because I'm very careful to, uh, keep with Irish mythology instead of going like, oh, Celtic mythology, that's not Irish mythology. So I keep, I keep with Irish mythology and I keep with the history of that particular region. So for example, like the second Mindel book is going to be all about the spears of Clontar and, um, and the war that, that happened. And everybody, everybody loves to talk about Brian Baru or Brian Borova, however you want to you want to call him. But everybody loves to talk about him. And I've had this conversation with Ed where he's like, oh, yeah, he was like the first king of Ireland. And I went, we need to have a talk. OK, it, <laughs> not the first, certainly not the first, definitely not the last. And he didn't unite Ireland. He actually did nothing in his life. The only thing he did do was unite the South. And he did that by betraying somebody. I won't get too far into it. And uh, and he lost. He died in the battle. And the the great myth that the 
church and a lot of popularists like to say, oh, he kicked the Vikings out of our, he did nothing. He did absolutely nothing because Citric was king of Dublin before he died and he was king after he died. The Vikings had, by that time, by 1014, the Vikings were already so far intermarried and entrenched. There was no kicking them out. It was it was him trying to take over his brother-in-law's kingdom and he failed. Okay. And so when, when, when you say those things, now, obviously a lot of historians now are talking about this. But when you say those things, a lot of people who have grown up with that mythology their whole life go, but I, I thought he was the man who united Ireland. Oh, no, my dove. He did nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Well, that's also He's... just a thing of like also like learning because, yeah. you know, I might grow up knowing something. Uh, funny, funny story. We're talking about Ed. Like I grew up my entire life that Ed you know, as a kid growing up, he has a library and he's got books and shelves with every city and they're all meticulously detailed in this giant yeah. library of whatever. And the first time I talked to him, that was one of the first things I asked him. I was like, is this an actual thing? He's like, no, no. <laughs> and, you know, you you hear people and to this day, I'll be at a gaming convention and they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's got this whole library. I'm like, no, he does not. I've asked him specifically. There is no like that is just a thing that perpetuates and keeps going, even though it is not true whatsoever. It's, but, it's a big problem, especially in the, the age of the internet where you get, it's really the age of the echo chamber. I had somebody on my Twitter the other day, a very lovely person, try to convince me that Ostara and bunnies are linked. And I said, no, my dear, I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you it's true, but they're not. It was made up by the Victorians. It was not true. It was written down by German German mythologists. And it was, there's absolutely no proof. In fact, we know that bunnies in general, like the, the Triskelion of the, the three hairs, those are on churches to represent like Virgin Mary and all that stuff. And that person just, I'm, like, I'm sorry. I wish, I wish I could give you the answer that you want. But we have one point, we have to accept that we have to stop looking at the echo chamber and put things up as they actually are. It is when I mean, obviously, you know, when you when you see there's more archaeological evidence, things like that, that then we can talk about it. But I, I am I'm a realist. I'm somebody who likes to say this is very cool and this is a thing that we all like, but that's not what happened. Yeah. Where do you draw the line when you're coming up with a story between this is historical fact and this is a story that I'm telling and I need to drive a narrative and trying to fit the two together sometimes when they might not match? Well, does so, that become an I issue mean, with you at all? It, it it well when I when I talk about um so for example a lot of my nonfiction books are have like elements of magical realism in them but they're they're done in such a way that the reader understands and knows what what the the metaphors are there that that that's what that is but when it comes to something like I would say the most historically accurate so for example um my my holiday books those are completely nonfiction even though we have werewolves and dragons in them. They don't celebrate those holidays, but they show you how to celebrate those holidays. And I had an I had a, a, an issue with somebody recently where they read my my dragon book and they said, you know, that's not that's not the real reason for for such and such. And I said, it is. That's not the reason that you were taught. But this is this was a research piece, and this here here is the source. You could take it up with them, and they're going, yeah, but that. That's not exactly true. And I said, do you want to tell children about uh, a violent God killing somebody? Because I don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, you, you have to, you, I, th I think, depending on what it is, you have to gauge your audience. And 
I mean, look, I I am I save all the bloody bloody and gory stuff for the orc books because that but that's in a humorous sort of aspect, right? When we see orcs, we expect them to be blood and thunder and smash and all that stuff because that's what we like. That that that's that's the funny aspect of orcs. Right. But um, when it comes to the historical stuff, I I take the uh, uh, the main uh, event rather, of the historical. So, for example, for Mindel, the main event is uh, the great battle uh, of Ethelstone that happened in uh, in England in, in 937 that uh, really solidified England. It was the first time that the word England was used or Englishmen was used rather mm-hmm. than Saxons or anything like that was under Ethelstone's watch. And he called his men Englishmen. So I'm very careful about that particular battle and when it happened and it happened in August. And, you know, so I've but everything else around that is werewolves, fairies, and <laughs> and like chlorophons and all that stuff. So as long as that, as long as that, uh, that one aspect is maintained, everything around it, I don't think it matters because it's supposed to be a fanciful hero's journey. And yes. if everything is just here's a fact, here's a fact, here's a fact, here's a fact, it's not going to be fun or exciting, I don't think. So I, I try to I try to gauge the audience and make sure at least that if there's information in there. At least it's it's handled in an exciting and an interesting way. Nice. Or at least I hope it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense too. Did you did you have influences growing up with books and stuff for writing stories, or was it was because it sounds like to me that you have a lot more influence with enjoying history and and that kind of stuff maybe more than you know stories. But I don't know. I'm guessing. Would you elaborate and and, and let us know? I really love any anything that has to do with the history of something, the history history of a place, the history of a word, the history of uh, of uh, a piece of clothing. So any 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 sort of archaeology, whether domestic archaeology or uh, a- anything that is tied to anthropology, I love that stuff. That's very interesting for me. Even 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 space. I love I love astrophysics. I love space. I love I love all that stuff. Anything that that is a uh, a cartography of the world in which we live and and the the numeric trail of it i think is interesting and i've always been that way yes as a kid i always I was researching the way way back back in my day when when i when i was a kid we had encarta encyclopedia 96 right that was like the first dvd encarta but it was so amazing because it was interactive when I was really young, I would sit there and I'd read the Encyclopedia Britannica because you do you remember those, right? Those ones we all the brown covers, we yeah. all got sold. But yeah. I would I would sit there and just pour over them because there wasn't much else for me to do. I would read those and I would go to the library and that was it. But Encyclopedia, the, the Encarta one was the best because you you could actually research words and, and it would bring you to these these interactive maps of like the histories of certain instruments. And then you could hear how all of, to me, everybody was like busy with the early internet. But since I grew up poor and didn't have that, I had a 10 year old Encarta encyclopedia thing that I, I was so excited for and just couldn't stop playing with. And that that for me was so much more interesting. The edutainment <laughs> aspect of video games really engaged me and was exciting to me. And from there, I mean, once you have the media in front of you, it's easy to make a story. Yeah. We had, we had our encyclopedia, except for we'd only get like three every year until like, you Mm -hmm. know, we got the collection because we could only afford so much. It's like, okay, what's gonna, it's Christmas. All right. We're getting a new encyclopedia. What do we get this, this year? All right. We're getting, 
We're getting K. It's like, oh, we're getting right. G through M. Oh, yes. Nothing in K. I cried. <laughs> we had we had one full set, but it was old. It was like from 1985, and so the, obviously the information wasn't updated. But it was the best I could get for a good 10 years until Encyclopedia 96 came out, and then that DVD just blew me away. They had they had the mind maze, which you could still see on YouTube. It's still there. And you pick your subject and you could choose, uh, I think it was like easy or difficult. I don't think there was more, there were more uh, things than that. But, um, and I would just play that for hours. That and all the old school entertainment games, like uh, uh, Where in the World, it's Carmen Sandiego, uh, Math Munchers, Word Munchers, that stuff was really top for me. That's where I, I that that kind of engagement was really exciting. And now in the world of the internet, I can go ask my, I could email Professor Ronald Hunter and go, hello, could you please tell me about the history of Anglo-Saxon gods? And they will answer you. And it's wonderful. Nice. I see. I never even thought to do that, to just be like, I'd be like, if I were a teacher, I'd be like, sign up for my class and pay thousands of dollars and I will teach you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do. I have, well, I, I have writing classes, but I will gladly answer any question that anybody has. I don't, I don't really believe in gatekeeping education i think that's how we got to where we are winkity wink wink where if you gatekeep education you now have you now have a again a classist dichotomy of people who are want to learn and don't know how or people who just use tiktok and then (laughs) (laughs) i have learned i have learned through using i've learned that people i think people think i'm google because they ask me, they ask me questions in the comments and go, I, I don't know. Go, just go ask Google. Right. But they won't. They just ask you and then expect you to make a video about it, which is fine. I'm okay with that. I'm glad to learn something on, on somebody else's behalf. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, I, I, I don't believe in gatekeeping information. I'm very glad that the, the researchers and professors that I speak to don't believe in that either. What are you currently reading? What are your current influences? We talked about growing up and and that kind of stuff. Is there something specific you're reading now or enjoying now for your own self? I I mean, I I read a lot of manga as well. Um, And I'm reading Bride Story, which is absolutely, the art in that is just, oh, just blows me away. The details are incredible. Bride Story is brilliant. And um, I'm reading, I, I love reading nonfiction books. And we have one of the, we have a Victorian library in my town and I make a lot of use of it. I'm there almost every other day. And I am reading now Unstoppable Us by uh, Yuval Noah Harari. He wrote Sapiens. Okay. And there's also a comic version of Sapiens, which I highly recommend if you haven't read the book, if you find it a bit too dense, I recommend reading the comic version because it's in two giant volumes and they're just beautiful. Uh, but he wrote uh, Unstoppable Us, which is meant for a younger audience, but I and it's fully illustrated, but I actually find it to be uh, not better written, but more written in a way that is uh, ed- specifically for educational purposes, because there's books being written for uh, knowledge sake. And then there's there are books that are written for educational purposes. And that's what I, I find really intriguing and interesting about that one. Nice. And I think that's cool about something we can tell from your your TikToks and whatnot is your your want to share information and just give like here's the history of <laughs> here's the history of this word but in an entertaining way it's not just the, like I, cramming I how, it down I love your how throat you put that so so nicely whereas it, it's more like i'm gonna make you learn this whether you want to know it or not <laughs> <laughs> but you don't it because some people will say that and they'll just you know they'll do the the I don't remember the guy, the dry ice commercial guy where he's like, yes, here's the information. 
<laughs> this is the yeah, history of the world. You make it fun and entertaining where people want to watch and then they want to learn. And to me, yeah, like Einstein, growing up, that was one of the things in school that, you know, if I was in a class, if the teacher was interactive or the teacher was fun, I learned way more. But the guy well, that's that, just that, like, there is a science rah. behind that. If you that that's why a lot of podcast like learning podcasts have comedians on, because it is scientifically proven that if you are laughing, you are you are more likely to remember why you're laughing. Right. And you're more likely to remember the information. But as, as I said before, it's it's also my own boredom. Whereas if I don't if I don't make it fun, I get bored very quickly. Right. So I have to uh, I have to make it interesting for me. Otherwise, I go, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> That's a win-win. You have fun, they have fun. Yeah, but I mean, I, I make it so that people pay attention. So I'll say, let's talk about boobs. And then, of course, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say, that we'll, we'll, we, we talked about the word bum. We talked about that one. We talked, uh, this morning, we talked about dicks. So, so you know, there's there's a whole, I, I get people interested. I rope them in. And then the same thing with, I, I'll talk a lot about games also, because uh, during the pandemic, I didn't really have anybody to talk to about games. So I was helping people, I finished stuff in Elden Ring, and they would ask me where things are, but I would use that as a as a way of going, okay, well, this is how we look at a map, and this is how we do this, and this is, <laughs> and this is how we, this is how we put the little points on, and this is how we remember how we are, and, you know, so I would, uh, uh, I, I always, I like sharing, but I like sharing with the purpose of, of, helping people learn the things that I have learned on my own, because I've had to do that my whole life. I didn't, even though I did go to university, I was kind of just left on my own to, to learn and, and at, at my own pace Yeah. because I didn't, I was kind of thrown away as a kid. My, uh, my parents in general didn't really think I would learn very well. And uh, uh, because I didn't really do well in school when I was in elementary. And then again, because I learned on my own, I learned, I guess, at a rocket pace, but then I don't like seeing other people struggle with learning. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. Cause I, I also, I was, I was the kind of person where I could learn it, but I just didn't want to. Yeah. Most and people so, are not. But when other dumb, people had problems when bored. I went to college and somebody just wasn't getting something, you know, whether it was the teacher's fault or just the person just didn't understand or whatever it was, I'd be like, here, let me set some of my own time aside to help you out because I've been there. I've been in that. I can't learn this situation. Don't ask me about math, though. <laughs> <laughs> Same Absolutely here. Absolutely not. <laughs> Same here. When we're talking about your your books and you're putting stuff together, you, you talked about how, like, the kids' books were way easier, but you have to, like, focus on them. Do you yeah. have a process... Uh, for writing your books like do you put together an outline or do you just sit down and go i'm gonna write this and just r start writing and see where it goes do you have like kind of a like a map how, how do you it, kind it of plan it, it depends it depends on the book when it comes to so when it comes to like my fantasy series um that i do i have i have a whole bible with that i've got the the maps for the areas i've got the uh i've got uh, everybody's character, everybody's birth dates, everybody's uh, the whole like generational how it goes because that one has been going on for like twelve years. So I have to have that Bible down in order to write something. When it comes to where we're going in the future, I always have a vague idea. I'll write a little bit out, but I always I'm I'm not the person who what I hate when it comes to publishers is oh well, if you want to pitch to us, you have to have all the chapters out. I'm like, that that's going to change, you know, from e even just from one draft to another, it's kind of silly to uh, expect like even, even with Mindel, even though very little changed from one draft to, to the finished version, there was a whole front piece of the chapter that I just decided, eh, I just chopped it out and that was it. But that was the original first chapter of the book. 
it, it's, it, I realized only six months later that it really wasn't necessary. I, so I don't, I don't, I, I don't really advocate for people uh, making a very hard outline because oftentimes you will box yourself in. What I do is I'll write a couple paragraphs of things that I want to happen, uh, certain story beats in the book, things that want to happen, just so this way I have that the ideas down, and then I'll go and then I'll continue on. I won't I won't bother too much about uh, details unless it's specific character things, specific character beats that need to happen. Like I said, the, with the sci-fi story that that I'm writing, it's almost thirty thousand pages, and I think maybe none of the chapters are complete because they're all just again story beats that I've written here and there when I've had time in between the ten other books I'm writing, <laughs> and you know, it's, or same thing with uh, with the children's books. So we, the, uh, I joked, all right, we're going to do like vampires don't celebrate Shabbos next, and I already have the the points out for the things that I want to talk about, and then. Uh, and then again, we have like for all the other orc stuff, I have points out for things that, that that need to be done. So for the like the orc who saved Easter, it's pretty much all finished. And now I just have to fill out the rest of the story. But if you don't, as long as I don't make it too rigid, I won't block myself in. I don't really, I don't suffer from writer's block. I have the opposite problem where I have writer's refrigeration where I just constantly, I have to get this out. Oh, I have to get that story out. I have to get that story out. And so I, but I make sure I finish things. Um, because you don't you don't want to be uh, that person who doesn't finish your work. But I always I'm always working on about like ten different books at once, just to make sure that they that they're at least they're blocked, and then whatever I need to finish or whatever I need to write, at least that's there. And I'm not going. Oh, I don't know. How I'm going to finish this. And yeah, yeah. You know. Do you have a problem going back when you're like, okay, I got to go back. I'm in the middle of this book. I got to go back. Do you have to like go back and like reread the last three or four pages of whatever you did or? Like you said that you have a Bible of stuff. You got to go, okay, I got to get back in the mindset of what happened, you know, four years ago or whatever. It really, really depends on what it is. Um, I would say the only thing that I need a specific mindset for is the nonfiction stuff because I have to, I have, it's, uh, they're, they're very small chapters and I only have about three to four pages to not only tell a narrative, but to make the point of whatever it is. So if I'm talking about, say, chronic illness, or I'm talking about uh, depression, or if I'm talking about these kinds of things, I've got three pages, and I have to make it good. Um, I don't, maybe not always succeed, but you do your best to try, right? And yeah. and you have, so there's limited space on the page for that specific thing. Whereas uh, for the historical stuff, it just has to flow, it has to be interesting. It can't, it just can't drag on. That's yeah. it. So, you know, I could, I could write 10 stories of of Mindel harassing leprechauns and that'd be hilarious but it can't all be it can't it can't be that it has to it has to move on to the next point yeah um no <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, let's, the, go, that's the let's backtrack a little bit so we were talking about your your kids books and you were talking about illustrations and some of them all of your books have a wide variety of covers as well are some of these just you find the artist and like get the artist to do the cover or do people that you're working with say this is going to be your cover? How, how it, is it that it, it depends on uh, one, if you have a publisher, you're doing it yourself. Mm -hmm. two. Uh, uh, two, it also depends on the artist. So, for example, if you look at so Twisk is the artist who does all of the Hanta series stuff. And if you look at her books, her style is widely different. So she did like Baba Conry on that cover because it's for a young adult audience. She did a very cartoony look. Whereas if you look at the uh, the good book, the the history of Freywin, that's like a gorgeous 
uh, fresco and everything that she, that she spent like three weeks on. And that's absolutely stunning. But, uh, and then if you look at, so for example, uh, the Creatures of Fairy Tale and Myth, this one is, is specifically has uh, art that's tailored to Fate of the Norns. I had no control over this, but I love the cover. I think it's lovely. It is gorgeous. Um, yeah, it's gorgeous. The, all the art, all the art in here. This this specific book was done by four different artists, um, and one of them did the cover for Mindel's book. And we, Andrew and I, had discussed it because he said, um, he said, okay, how how long do you think you could you could do uh, a title? But I said, oh, you, like, let's max it out. I'll do a title. And we we did. I th- if I'm not mistaken, I think it's like uh, it's something like uh, 1,800 characters for that specific title. So it's The Misadventures of Minoplotus, dear. And then in which this happens, in which he finds God, but it's not really God. Because that that's perfect for the character. He doesn't stop talking. That's his whole, okay. his whole thing. Um, that's how he, he bores people to death or gets them to do what he wants because he doesn't stop talking. And so we, the way that, but that was a nightmare for the cover artist who she said, okay, I'll do, I'll I'll do the the text, but then she, there were mistakes and then there was some spelling and then there was this, there were all these different problems with this cover because of the title. And so we ended up just having to take what was there and I had no control over that. That's just what it is. I mean, I think it's great and people love it. Um, but so for example, the the cover has a monk, an Irish monk with a tonsure. And I was really upset about that because I went, no, 937, they don't wear these. This is this is like Francis, they, this is specifically from like 400 style monk. They don't wear those anymore. Had to leave it. Couldn't yeah. do anything about it. Yeah. I'm still mad about it. Oh no. But it's still a really fun, fun cover. And I know exactly. It's a great cover and I love it. You get all the words that are in there. It's just slowly. It looks like a Star Wars thing where it's like, it just slowly gets smaller and smaller smaller and smaller. smaller. Oh yeah. I love that one. (laughs) I love it. I hope, I hope for the next one, I hope we get to do something similar. I, I really, I really liked that. But, but as you can see, it it depends, depends who you work with as well. So for example, for, for the children's book covers, I didn't tell John what to do at all. And same thing, same thing with my my frame book covers. I don't tell Twist what to do. I go here's because she reads the book, so she knows. And same thing with John. He reads the manuscript, and I say you come up with you know seventeen dragons. You pick the one that you like best for the cover, and that's it. And he does it. I don't have to tell him what to do. But I think I think that's that's just what happens when you have a great relationship with an artist. And that's something unfortunately that you can't really get when you have a major publisher is you can give an idea of what you want, but oftentimes, as we saw recently with Tor and their specific issues with AI cover art, <clears throat> they they decided to, they told the person what they were going to have as a cover and there was no control over it. And there's yeah. nothing you can do because you got paid, right? You got paid for it. So right. you, you get paid for the manuscript and and the rights to your work and everything else you have no control over whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, that's understandable. Do you have a, a, a goal? Like when you're like, I want to get a new artist or I want to get a new thing. Is there something you look for? Or do they like just drop in your lap? Twist and I have been doing books for a long time together. And I mean, recently since COVID, it's been difficult for her. Uh, but for for the children's stuff, it was really just me asking John, who I'd known for years, said, hey, John, do you, he, both of us were kind of stuck because we were, uh, COVID was really difficult, you know, with publishing, getting, 
getting thwacked upside the head yeah. and distribution not being what it was and then not getting not getting royalties and all this stuff. So I said, hey, do you want to just do this for, you know, and I'll pay you for the illustrations. And he said, yeah, sure. And like I said, he he had the time and he did it in a week and it was great. So as long as long as the books pay for themselves, you know, we can we can just do whatever we like in that way. But um, I've never I have never actively sought somebody for the art. They've always they've always come to me or I get or, for example, for Fate of the North stuff, I get them through the publisher. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about your 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 the Freywin books and we've talked about your kids books. I want to ask you about the introvert series that you did. <laughs> Cause here's the thing. I am. I love the, I don't want to say the concept cause it's not a concept. It's an actual thing. I love the, I love the introvert extrovert conversation. Uh, uh, I am a, I'm a, no one can tell I'm a big extrovert. My wife is a big introvert. I have lots of introvert fan friends. Uh, and you know, this is a big dichotomy that happens between the extroverts and the introverts. And, how their interaction is. And yeah, if you could within, all just shut up, that would be great. And even between <laughs> the, you know, the introverts, you have an introvert that's like going to a movie theater isn't a big drain on them, but doing an online game is. Whereas it's, uh, yeah, it's other, strange because I'm that opposite where I will not go to, to a theater, but this fine. I could do this all day. No right, problem. Right. So this, this, because this is one-on-one. So tell us about your... as, as the, the the blind GM says. So he says that he's an ambivert. Yeah, there are people who are ambiverts as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I apologize if I missed some questions. Well, we'll get back to you. I promise. We'll get to the um, questions in the Q and A after the show for sure. For uh, sure. So he, here is the thing. Uh, the, something that I have you know, I, I constantly see is you know extrovert. How to be more extroverted? Well, why can't you just be more introverted and right. shut up like, for five minutes? Go read a book in a corner for an hour. And go play a game and leave me alone. You know, there's always that. It, but it it doesn't mean introverts doesn't mean that we don't like people. I love people. I think this one on one, this is this is my favorite. I could do this all day. Whereas um, put me in a party setting and ask me to perform or be funny. And I just sit there. I go, I can't do this. Yeah, I, I can't. I'll do it for five minutes and then just the battery dies and mm-hmm. I, I slowly die inside. I, th- I did recently did a TikTok video explaining this, how. Um, when you have certain types of introverts and it's just about where do you get your energy from? Right. So in- introverts will often have energy for other introverts. So you'll see a lot of introverts doing one-on-one stuff together. And then we won't, and we'll go, okay, and I'll see you in a month you know, or, or whatever. And we're good. We're good. We're best friends that way. It's, it's wonderful. You know, we'll come together and go, Hey, I read this book. I, I, or I want to go see. So for example, uh, two of my other introvert friends, we go to metal shows together and we have we have an amazing time. We went to see Power Wolf, and it was three introverts sitting in a row, and we all dressed up. And I brought I brought my werewolf stuff, and we had a great time. And then we just went home, and we haven't seen each other since. And that that was it. But it was where we we create that that paracosm that's just for us, and then we're good. We we can dissipate and then come back to it. Whereas an extrovert is somebody who obviously need they, you get your energy, but there are different types of extroverts as yeah, well. Yeah, right? for sure. There are a lot, there are extroverts who love, like I'm an introvert who loves going to cons, put, put some headphones in me. I will walk that exhibition hall 10 times and never leave and have an amazing time because I, I like looking at everything. Yeah. I like that. Do not ask me, however, to engage in long group discussions. I can't do that. 
same, so same thing with extroverts. There are extroverts who absolutely hate going to theaters because they can't talk for two hours. Yeah. Or extroverts who who don't like one-on-one conversations. That's totally fine. The, this series in general that I have written was just, I it, it started out as kind of a joke. I have a friend named Svante who is from Sweden and he read, what's her name? Uh, he read uh, somebody's book. I can't remember her name. She's uh, She's a comedian. But oh, I think the book was called Deliriously Happy or something like that. Okay. And it was all about how she deals with depression in her own house and the random stuff that she does and how she she deals with it. And it's quite funny. They said, you know, you should do that. And I said, I'm okay. I don't think anybody will be interested, but I'll do it. And so I just started putting up chapters of like things that happen with my neighbors, things that happen across the street, how I view conversations, how how I deal with. Uh, uh, being alone ninety percent of the time, that kind of thing, uh, but in a funny way. They're, they're, yeah. they're, it's not depressing at all. Um, and so, but each each one deals with certain things. So the first one will actually deal with how much I hate summer because summer is like an extrovert's la la land. Right. And obviously, I have I have like physical issues and things like that that make the summer very terrible and uncomfortable for me. Especially now, this time of year, this is the time where I get anxiety. Or I go, here come the allergies. And then everybody's going to be outside in their hot pants and everything's going to be sweaty and gross. And then there are bugs. And I hate this. I hate this 10 times. Right. So yeah. where, whereas even though I don't necessarily like the dark in uh, for winter, it's like, oh, thank Christ, I'm not sweating. Oh, my God. I could, I could breathe. And you're, you're and you're from the Midwest. So you you get the minus 40. Like you get it. We right? do. Yeah, for sure. And, and the snow. So we just had snow again two days ago. It's wonderful. It's amazing. <laughs> um, Brilliant. I love it. Uh, zero and snowing is my favorite weather because it's enough that you can walk outside and just enjoy the outside. And it's that beautiful, the the beautiful silence of snow, the heavy static that falls on everything. That's really that that that's the crunchiness that I love so much. Yeah. And it is it is that that was the first one about uh, uh, about why winter and uh, and introversion like go very well together. But again, it's very funny. And then the second one focused on things like um uh, uh, chronic illness. And then the third one, a uh, fourth one was more about like the, the pandemic. Um, and then I have a fifth one, but I just never, I did don't have, to, I just don't have time to edit it and, and put it out there. Um, but they're, but they're all a little bit different. I would say maybe the last one is probably the most serious, but they're always, they're about, about introverts, how we see the world and how we deal with you know, mental difficulties and trying to do gymnastics around a world that does not accept introverts. I mean, during the pandemic, and I'm sure I don't speak for myself here, most of my introvert friends were like, yeah. Right, right, right. Oh my God, play games online? Amazing. Oh my God, I never have to go to the office? Yes, amazing, <laughs> right? And so now now that people are are coming, um, uh, coming back to the office, we're all going, listen, we made a deal. Right. We told you how how terrible the office was and you guys saw how horrible it is being in places where you are forced to be in, where you don't get work done, where people are constantly at you, where there's bad smells, bad air, people doing things. Like, you, you know, what's funny is we all we all laughed at the office way back. It was like, ha ha, this is so true. Ha, ha. And then the pandemic happened and now we're back at the office and everybody's going, no, th- like n- the office is a nightmare now. Yeah, it's terrible. You PTSD and watching The Office. <laughs> exactly. You, you look at The Office and you go, no, I never want to see this ever again. This is not funny. Right. I mean, 
you have all the boomer bosses going, oh, but if I can't see you're being productive, well, if you actually learned how to use the internet, Bob, we, we wouldn't have this problem. Yeah, you could see the numbers because it's all recorded digitally. <laughs> we have cameras. We have microphones. We don't need to do this anymore. We don't need to spend a whole Thursday in a meeting just so you can have your free croissant, okay? We can, we can stay home and do these things. Anyway, yes. So I, I, I hope I hope that's answered your question about the the introvert books. Yeah, I just uh, every time I see the, every time I looked at them and I was looking at your stuff and prepping for this, it's like I gotta ask about these books because that the subject is so fascinating to me, and I and I love the I love. The are you gonna read them though? That's the question. What's so that? Are you gonna read? Are you gonna read them now? Are they that's an audiobook? No, I actually wish I wish they were. Um, people have asked me to do it. It's again, it's just time. Yeah, time and effort. Uh, it, I don't. I don't know if he's watching, but my friend Mark at Archeo Soup, he has a Fiverr account. He is a narrator, and he does gorgeous narration. And I would love to pay him to do all of my books. He is amazing. Um, audiobooks in general, while and I love audiobooks. I listen Same. to them all the time. Same. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you've gotten like the new the new Lord of the Ring audiobooks that. I Oh my God, Andy Circus does all of them and they're brilliant. Okay. They were all, well, while Rings of Power was on, let's not talk about that show, but well, <laughs> Rings, Rings of Power was on and I was very mad. Um, they, they, uh, Audible had, um, uh, Audible had a special where uh, every single one was a fiver and you could, for $5, you could get a 40 hours of Andy Circus acting all the parts in Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. And it was, oh, so gorgeous, amazing. But that, it's like 22 hours per book. So if you think about that and how how difficult it is to get a narrator, it's so much harder when you're, look, I, I've been at publishers all the time. Like, Please narr- get, put this in an audiobook. People would love it. Like, oh, but then we have to go through actor. Oh, then we have to pay some. Oh, then we have to this. They're like, oh, you do it. You do it. Okay, I'll do it on my Yeti microphone, and that's it. But it's are you gonna? But that's not gonna. But yeah, that's not necessarily the same. No, and and I mean, yeah, sure, I can act out characters and and things like that, but I can't, uh, I, I can't do that for twenty two hours by myself, and and then edit and then record. I can't do that. No, no, yeah, it's definitely better to get somebody else. And and I've heard I've heard ones where people are like, I just did it myself, and you can tell. Like I hear it, and I'm like. Yeah, this person no. did it themselves, or they had a friend with a with a, you know, a basic generic microphone and tried to tried to edit out the backgrounds. It's it's not the same. It is not. The I same. did I did one myself, and I put it up on my Patreon. I did um, uh, I did uh, the Diamond Child, and that's because that is a uh, a twenty page book, and that I could do myself, and that was something that my patrons actually paid for. Okay. So I set aside and I made the time and I said, okay, you guys wanted a hundred. Uh, you said you, you gave me a hundred bucks. I will do this. So <laughs> if that I do, I do, I now, I now poll people and I ask them, what do you want me to do? Yeah. You tell me because when I was giving them stuff and they, they were enjoying it, but it, I, th- I think it's, especially since COVID, it's much more helpful to be more interactive with your, your audience. Like, I'm very active on Twitter. I'm very active on, on TikTok. Um, so I, and I love that interaction just gauging what people like and knowing what what they want to see i can see the blind gym is, is ask, asking yeah. a question yeah we'll get to those here in a bit we'll get to all okay. the q a's here in the q a section in a bit um your latest book dragons don't celebrate passover just came out or crusade yes. christmas came out in what february january february uh january i believe january i believe it was january 28th yeah exactly and yeah. how are those are those doing well 
Uh, Dragons Don't Celebrate Passover is doing amazingly. I think it's because it's obviously it's, it's that time of the year. It's a time for gefilte fish and disgusting jelly slices. So, you know, um, <laughs> that's if, if, if you know, you know, kids, if you know, you know, if you grew up with it, you know, that, that that's how it is. Uh, but it would be how we have running jokes in those books too. Like Bub- Bubby Yenta is always there to make jokes about, you know, how people don't do things the way they used to. And don't ask me about the Kogel incident and all that kind of thing. But um, no, that, that one's doing really well. Actually people, it's cut it. I'm sure, I'm sure you hear there's some other authors a lot. It's like, I wish, I wish I had the same amount of interest in sales on these two books that I do for everything else because, but people love this, but I, th- I think also it's because it's illustrated. It's fun. They can share it with their kids. Uh, they they enjoy the snide and snarky comments where uh, as to, you know, what, why do we do this? Why do we do these things? Why do we eat this disgusting garbage? Why do, <laughs> but I, I, but I make it more fun and interesting, but the, but the holiday books are doing really well and I'm glad people are, are enjoying them. I've, so I saw the werewolves don't celebrate Hanukkah. I didn't know that that was you right away. Really? I saw it in a, really? tar- I saw it in a target, uh, when it first came out, I walked by, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then later, I th- I'm, I swear to God, one of my friends has it. And I asked her on, they're like, it's not me. It's not me. I'm like, I know one of you has it. Who has it? Because I want to borrow I, it. Who? Wait a minute. But who? How, how did that get in Target? Did somebody buy it for the store? I don't know. No, it was on the shelf at Target. It was. I think it was a Target. But it was on the shelf in a store. And I saw it and I was like, oh, that's a really cool looking cover. That's a lot of fun. And I remember chuckling because I, I saw it and I thought that that was a really cool thing. And then here we are later because you, like I said, I, I was doing the promotion stuff with Andrew Valkoskis and Ed for the for the Fate of the Norns and your name came up and I looked at your stuff. I was like, it's that book. It's that book. <laughs> this is the person. So. so yeah. I, I, I am. I am the one. You are the one. <laughs> you have a couple upcoming events coming up. Uh, April 28th, you're going to be at the Blue Met in Canada. Yes, so I'm so Blue Metropolis is uh, is mostly I think for it, it's it's for uh, alternative fiction and and younger younger fiction, um, and I was finally invited this year. Wow, amazing! Yay! <laughs> I know. So uh, um, uh, I was finally invited, but as part of Saga Books, we also did another another event with them with Fate of the Norn stuff, um, and we're going to be talking about fantasy in games. Okay. And uh, and how there's going to be ga- gaming and gaming books, but also fantasy and games, RPGs, things like that. Awesome. And you're going to be doing an autograph signing on April 8th at Phoenix, Phoenix Books in Montreal. Yeah. Yes, we're going to be. That's going to be for Dragons Don't Celebrate Passover, but we'll have other books there, too. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So if you guys are listening to this and you're up in the Canada area in that neck of the woods in that time frame, uh, feel free to swing on in and watch the watch the event or get your books signed you were on a twitter at <laughs> i'm looking at this i'm like all the other ones are real easy miss mrs Denison, that's the that's uh, one of the one of the giant characters from uh, from one of my series yeah so and it's not fully spelled out it's m r s d e n a s a a n for those that are listening yeah, yeah exactly on Instagram, so if, you, if, you, if you if you just type my name, if you if you put in like Michelle F and bang the keyboard, you'll find me. It's yeah, it, it'll it'll pop. That's how I do it. I'm always like, huh, what is the ten? I'm just gonna type in her name. It, it's gonna pop up. Yeah, it'll pop up. Don't worry about it. Instagram author Michelle Franklin, Facebook backslash author Michelle Franklin, TikTok at author Michelle Franklin. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> Patreon.com backslash new short series. To new go short to- stories. New short stories. What did I say? Series? 
Yeah. It's right in front of new me. I can't stories. read apparently. Patreon.com <laughs> backslash new short stories. Uh, we've been talking about the Patreon quite a bit tonight. So obviously go on in there and become a part of that. You can also check out the website blog at the, ha- is it Hanta? Hanta. Yeah, Hanta. The Hanta. Yeah. The Hanta. dot blogspot.com. Did I get all that right? Is it all, is it all yes. accurate? Yeah, that is. It's funny because, you know, I don't I, I the, the ones I'm, I'm really active on most, though, are, are obviously Twitter. I'm on all the time because it's the writer's paradise. When it, whenever whenever I hear uh, I also have a Tumblr, actually, but the Tumblr is is the same as the Twitter. So don't worry about it. There's there's honestly there's nothing just just there, there's nothing different. Uh, it's just, you know, d- different audiences. There's because a lot of people don't like to go through multiple apps so uh but twitter is where i'm most active and tiktok is is where i post every day as well yeah and your tiktoks so are amazingly fun we'll uh we'll chat a bit more about the tiktok stuff here in the post q a session because i know people want to want to talk about that as well <laughs> <laughs> friends and enemies who are listening to the podcast april 10th we're going to be having amazing comic book writer and arthur author oh my gosh Comic book writer and author Otis Frampton is going to be joining us. He does the Oddly Normal series, Star Wars Adventures, DC Comics, Kids Books, and so much more. He does some amazing art. It's a lot of fun. That's going to be live April 10th. The podcast will be available the following day on the 11th. April 24th, we're going to be joined by sci-fi and fantasy author Nathan Lowell. He wrote The Golden Age of the Solar Clipper books. There's 12 books in that series, also The Shaman's Tales, Tanith Fairport Adventures, and of course my favorite, The Wizard's Butler. So that's going to be April 24th. The podcast will be available on the 25th. So follow, rate, review. Those rates and reviews definitely help us and they definitely help our guests. So make sure to push all of those buttons and give us all of those accolades. And we thank you guys so much for doing that. For Michelle Franklin, I want to say thank you for listening. To epic realms well there you are i hope you enjoyed yourselves and i do hope that you come back and join us again for epic realms Music.